great news that the battle belongs to God. And isn't it great news that the choir is back this week? Great to have them back. Thank you all. Hey, I'm going to jump right in this morning and tell you that we're going to talk about something that everyone loves, taking tests. That's what we're going to talk about this morning, taking tests. Now, for some of you, you may have a test on Monday morning, and so you need to go home and you need to study for it. And for others of you, like me, it may be a really long time since you've had to take a test in a classroom. Uh, but I want to talk to you about a time I had to take one. So back in high school, yes, that was 75 years ago, um, I had to take a test. I was in an English class, and uh, the, the point of the class, as I remember it, was to read uh, the book Moby Dick. And so uh, the, 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 the time had come for the test. Uh, the test was going to be Friday. It was Tuesday night. And um, here's what I have to remind you all. For those of you that don't remember my testimony, some of you have heard it, but if you have, you remember me saying, I wasn't really that nice of a guy before I became a Christ follower. Didn't really, didn't treat people that well. I really didn't care much about school. So you can imagine the importance I placed on uh, reading in depth a novel that was written in 1851, okay? So that's a little background. So it's Tuesday night, and the test is Friday, and I had not quite finished reading the book which is another way of saying I hadn't yet opened the book, but I was pretty sure I could skim it and do okay. And so as I was my habit in high school, Tuesday passed into Wednesday night, I still hadn't opened the book. But on Wednesday, I was reading. I was reading the TV Guide. And first of all, for those of you that are over 45, you can check out for 30 seconds while I tell the rest of the people what a TV Guide is. So TV, because I asked someone who was 40 this morning in the first service, and they were like, no. So a TV guide was a book, a magazine about this big that came in the mail every week, and it told you what was on television. It had a couple articles that told you what was on television for your specific area. So you would open that up, and you would look two, you know, Tuesday, 8 o'clock, and it would list all the channels. There weren't that many of them back then, and it would tell you what was on. And sometimes it would give you a brief description. So I am reading the TV guide on Wednesday, and I see that on Thursday night, late at night, on a channel... There is a 1956 film, and it is entitled Moby Dick. So I changed my plans, and I didn't read the book that night, and uh, I put it off to Thursday night. And so, again, I sit down on Thursday night, and I, am, I open my cliff notes to the book. So those of you know what cliff notes, how many know what cliff notes are, right? So let me, this is like a disclaimer. I don't even know if you're allowed to read cliff notes when you're in high school now. I'm not really sure you were then, but... Really, I just want you to know it's not a substitute for reading the book. You can learn a lot of things from reading the classics, but in 11th grade, it wasn't really important to me. So I opened my Cliff Notes, and I watched the 1956 movie starring Gregory Peck as Captain Ahab. And I go to class the next day on Friday, and I take the test, and I get an A on the test. Let me say, if you were a student here this morning in high school, college, grade school, that is not what I would recommend. I don't do that anymore. However, I have to be honest and say, at the time, I couldn't believe how well it worked out. <laughs> Tests are important. Really, they are an important part of our lives, whether we're in school or not. And, and the truth is, one of the purposes of tests is to discover what we know and what we don't know, right? That's why it's so ironic that I got an A on a novel, about a test on a novel I never read, but let's not get into that. In fact, I told someone, I feel like I need to apologize for my English, uh, to, publicly to my high school English teacher. Thankfully, so much time has passed, I don't remember who that was. So, please, accept my apology. 
This morning, we are going to talk about test, but a different kind of test. We're going to be in the book of James, uh, chapter 1, verses 2, 3, and 4, and we're going to talk about the spiritual testing that we undergo in our lives, really the testing of our faith. These verses may be very familiar to you, or you may have never seen them before. I, I want to read them uh, this morning and let you follow along, and then I want to talk about the process described in these verses and maybe give you a viewpoint that you haven't uh, seen before. So follow along with me as I read James uh, chapter 1, verses 2, 3, and 4. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The first thing James says is consider it pure joy. And we're going to talk about that in a few minutes, I promise. But I want to get to the next phrase. He says, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And the idea here of these, these trials is that they, they happen unexpectedly. And, and the best visual is, you know, if you've ever been, again, in a hallway in a school or in a church like this one, and you're walking down a hall, and you don't know it, but someone else is walking down this hall, and you sort of bang into each other, you know, bam. Or if you're quick enough, you don't, do, but you almost do. It's unexpected. We don't know that they're going to happen all of a sudden. And that's the thing about tests and trials. Most trials don't call ahead to let us know that they're coming. They hit us out of the blue. They're unexpected. Some versions of this scripture say you encounter or you suddenly encounter trials. That's what James is saying. I don't know about you, but often in the past when I've read these verses, I've thought about those big trials in our lives, those life-altering events. Right? We, we all know what they are. The, the doctor calls with that diagnosis that you, you didn't want. Cancer. Leukemia. There, there's something wrong with the baby, or maybe there still is no baby after trying for so long. Difficult, hard trials. Uh, and I want you to know that I know some of you right now are walking through those. I talked with you, some of you already this morning. Some of you are, are, have just found out in the last week or two or three that you have one of those diagnoses. Others of you have walked through trials. You've lost loved ones. Uh, you've lost some of them after a long, long fight. Those are hard. Those are difficult. And also that some of you are right now in the midst of a long battle with cancer or another illness. Don't stop fighting. Keep up the fight. That's my encouragement to you. But I also want you to know that many of you have been examples to me as you've walked through those trials in your life. It's amazing. Really, it's been, it's been life-altering for me to watch so many of you walk through those. You've been phenomenal examples of what it means to be faithful in the midst of a trial. Thank you. Not just for being an example to me, but to our staff and to one another here in this body. It's a privilege to walk with you through some of those trials. I want you to know as well, though, that trials aren't just those life-altering big things, as, as I've often thought about when I've looked at this passage. What, what James is really saying here, he's not painting this picture that once in a great while, we'll face a great trial. He's really saying, over and over again, unexpectedly, different kinds of trials are going to come into our lives. Some are hard, some are a little easier, some are long in duration, some are short. And, and that continuing, ongoing testing brings about uh, maturity. It brings about us learning where we need to grow. 
So I want to walk through the progression of these verses very, very quickly with the help of some slides. And, and here's how these, these verses go. First, we are to have joy. We're to have joy. When? When are we supposed to have joy? When we face trials. Now, that sounds a little strange. I mean, why, why would we do that? That's the question. Why would we have joy when we face trials? When we come upon them all of a sudden? Well, because they are used to test our faith. Test our faith. And re- remember, what's the purpose of testing? What's the purpose of our, the testing of our faith? Testing shows us where we are doing well and where we need to grow. So, so the picture, again, that James is painting is there's this process of repeated testing in our lives. Some of the trials are hard. Some of them are, are, are more simple. And, and it, it, they cause growth in our lives. We begin to grow, sometimes incrementally, sometimes by leaps and bounds. Sometimes we may find out we're really not growing. But the testing that we're in and how we respond to that helps us to identify where we need to grow and, and, and how we are growing. And in the end, as we see that we're growing, it makes us want to grow more, right? We want to grow more mature. And so we stick with it. And James says, we develop perseverance. Very important word. And, and that perseverance, he says, eventually over time leads, results in us becoming mature. That's the process of these verses. And that is why James says at the very beginning, consider it pure joy. We can only see that process as joyful if we can see the end of the process leads to us becoming mature. And that's the only way that we can really have peace and any joy at all in the huge tests and the small tests of life. You know, if we look at our lives really through a normal human lens, if you will, these trials, these tests, they're unexpected talked about that. They're, they're unpleasant, and we want to get rid of them. We want, to, we want to get them out of our lives so we can get to a more comfortable place. But if we look at these trials, these tests, through a biblical lens, we can begin to, to ask, what might God be trying to teach me? What does he want me to learn in the midst of these? I want to give you a few examples this morning of not these life-altering tests that we talked about, but some that happen maybe happening to you uh, right now. Maybe you have a family member that, and you're just not getting along that well. Maybe that family member, member is sitting beside you right now. Uh, or maybe they're a couple states away. And there's just, there's tension in the relationship. And that brings stress, right? It brings, it brings pain. Maybe you haven't talked to them now for a couple of months. Or maybe you haven't talked to that person in several years. I don't know the situation. But as we, as we look at that situation, I mean, there's, there's several ways that we can approach it. We can say, hey, I'm just going to try to put that situation and that person out of my mind. I'm just not going to think about them. Or we might say, hey, you know, I've looked at the situation, and really, it's not my fault. It's theirs. There's nothing I can do about it. Or maybe we say, you know, I went to them one time, and I said, hey, if you want to talk, I'm, I'm here. My door's open. Now, those, aren't, those aren't bad responses. They're not necessarily wrong in any way. But if I'm doing those things, if I'm responding that way, just to sort of uh, try to minimize my, uh, my responsibility in the situation, then that's, that's not good. And it may be that God's calling me to look at things through a biblical lens and, 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 and to say, what area of growth, Lord, are you trying to teach me in this situation? 
what, what are you trying to bring to light for me? As I look at it through a biblical lens, I may respond differently. I may t- take another course of action. It may be that I discover God wants me to be more compassionate, more willing to reach out to that person for the second time or the third time, perhaps. I don't know. Here's another one. Is there someone in your life right now with whom you disagree? You're having an argument, a disagreement. Someone is. <laughs> he's, he's winning the argument. He's out. The rest of you are like, if I scream, can I live out? Can I leave? <laughs> you have an argument. And you might think, you know what? I, I'm, I'm right. And they're wrong. And you might not only think that, you might be right. <laughs> and they might be wrong. Absolutely. But in looking at it from a, a human lens, we might say, you know what? I, I mean, I want people to know I'm right. I want them to know I'm right. As I say, we might be. But if we look at that situation through a biblical lens, we might discover that maybe being right isn't the most important thing in this situation. Maybe the Lord wants me to learn to be more merciful, respectful, gracious. I don't know. It may be that as we, even though God is a God of justice, it may be that as we look through a biblical lens in this particular situation, it really doesn't matter if I'm right or wrong. But I I can only see that as I look through a scriptural lens. Looking through that lens helps me to see God's purpose in the test rather than just sort of escaping it and skipping past it. That's the important part. How about some examples that on the surface look almost silly? And this is the one that you're going to hear me use for a long time to come because God keeps using it in my life. You're driving in traffic and someone pulls out in front of you. How do you respond? What do you say? What comes out of your mouth? What comes out of your heart? Or maybe, maybe you're in the express self-checkout line. I'm not really sure that actually exists. But anyway, there's an express self-checkout line. And, and someone can't figure out how to, how to subtract the 10-cent coupon off their order. So they press the help button. And now we're all waiting for this employee from somewhere to come help. And you're behind them in line. What are you thinking? at that moment. I actually talked to someone uh, that happened to this week. They, they get home uh, from work and there's like water all over the kitchen floor because their dishwasher's got a problem. I know that's happened to me when I had that, my hot water tank in my basement rusted out. Water just keeps flowing, by the way, if you don't know that. How do you handle it when that happens? How do you respond to these kinds of things? And I use these examples because I really think they seem silly unless we begin to Look at them through a biblical, a, 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 a scriptural lens. And we can see that God uses those in our lives to test us so that we can see where we are maturing and where we are not maturing. How we respond to these kinds of things are indicators to us of where we are in our scriptural, in our, sorry, in our, in our biblical uh, journey of faith. So important. So the truth is, often uh, many of us respond well in some of those cases, once or twice or ten times, and then something happens very similar and we don't respond as well. So we can respond in a mature way or we can get frustrated, angry, infuriated, impatient. Fill in your word, your blank, right? I am so convinced that God uses these tests in our lives so that we can see 
where we need to mature. In fact, as I've looked at this passage, I've become convinced of this fact. God allows testing because there's simply no other way for us to become mature believers. Certainly the Holy Spirit brings that about in our lives, but God allows testing because there's no other way for us to become mature believers. It's in the midst of those testings that we run to him, that we run to scripture. We're going to talk about that a little bit. I want to say that all of us experience different tests and trials in our lives at different times, in different ways, big trials and small trials. We're all on a different journey, a unique journey to maturity. And isn't it awesome that our God provides us a unique journey? It's not a cookie-cutter approach. He has a different journey for me than he has for you, and he walks with us every step of the way. That's the awesome news. Different people can handle more testing, or they learn more quickly than perhaps I do, so they move along more quickly in that journey. So we're all on a different journey, but there are some, I think, universal steps that will help us persevere in the midst of that journey that I want to share with you. Because we really need to answer the question. The, the, the question that James poses to us is this. How do I persevere in the midst of testing in order to become mature? How do I persevere? James says this testing will bring about perseverance. How does that happen in our lives? Let me give you a few steps. These will be on uh, the slides. Pursue times of prayer. That's the first one. You know, when we find ourselves being tested, it is so helpful to spend time in prayer, to pursue times of prayer, and simply say, God, what do you, what do you want me to do next? Lord, what lesson are you trying to teach me? We can ask him for wisdom. We, we can ask him for comfort. I, I love these verses in 2 Corinthians, talking about God is the God of all comfort. It says this, praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. No matter how severe the trial, no matter how deep the pain, comfort comes from the Lord. He's the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Those are great verses. Those verses comfort me. I've used them so often to comfort others. God brings comfort to us, and then we can share that comfort with others. We can certainly ask for forgiveness in those times that we're pursuing prayer. It's so important for us to go to the Lord in prayer in times of testing. Here's the second step. We need to progress in humility. Humility is a key characteristic for those who desire to be more like Christ. It's so critically important. And here's the reason why. Because without humility, often when we face a difficulty, we want to blame someone else for the difficulty. We want to blame someone else for the test or the trial that we find ourselves in. Now, here's what I need to say very honestly to, to many of you. Sometimes that's very true. Other people are responsible for the pain that we've experienced and we're in the trial that we're going through. Absolutely, that happens in our lives. And when it does, we need to work through that process so that we can come to a healthier place. There, there are people perhaps right now in, in this, in this uh, group who need to, are in a, a situation or a relationship that's inflicting pain, and you may need to get out of that relationship for a while. Counselors certainly can help us process those things in our lives so we can come to a healthy, whole view of ourselves, right, of who we are in Christ. So I don't want to minimize that. That absolutely happens. But I also know that pride can cause us to jump to the conclusion that it's someone else's responsibility when actually it's not. 
You see, pride can, can, can make us see a problem and become convinced that that problem is because someone else needs to change, when in fact, we're the ones that need to change. The testing is not the result of someone else but me. Proper humility, proper humility puts us in a state where we can take a more honest look at the situation. And again, looking through a biblical lens, we can say, okay, what part have I played in producing this test in my life? It'll, it'll, it can allow us to even say this, even though I didn't cause this and someone else did, what can I learn from it? That's what humility can do for us. It can really help us to see the areas of growth because if we're prideful, so often we just don't have eyes to see where we need to change. We don't have eyes to see the lack of compassion for the sin in our lives. So that's the second step. The third step, as we talk about pride and humility, the third step is this. We want to press into Jesus' example. And it's not just Jesus' example as, as, as far as being humble, but we want to start there. Because, man, I, I love these verses in, in Philippians chapter 2, and, and I want to share them with you. They're, they're a huge challenge to me, and also a, a huge comfort to me at the same time. They're inspiring. This is what it says. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Jesus was God, but he decided, I'm not going to use that to my advantage. Instead, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. The worst kind of death that you could have experienced at that time in the world. You see, when it comes to facing trials or being tested, Jesus is our ultimate example. Certainly, he went to the cross. He paid our penalty. He suffered, really, our pain so that we could have eternal gain. So what an example he is. But even in, in more situations than that, as you read the Gospels, think about the times that people were upset at him. They were angry at him. Think about the times that he disappointed people because they didn't, he didn't meet their expectations. And think about how he responded in those times. He was betrayed. How did he respond? His disciples deserted him. How did he respond? There's so many amazing examples of Jesus under-testing in the midst of trial, responding well. We need to press in to his example and follow it. Next step. This is a simple one. But an important one, ponder the future, ponder your future, right? We have to remember in the midst of the testing that it does lead to, to maturity. That, that we can actually have joy in the process because it leads to maturity. Because only as we do that can we desire to persevere. Once we look at the end result, it helps us to persevere. And that's what James is saying. And then the last one is we want to participate with others on the journey. Remember, we all have different journeys, but we are designed to be part of a community. That's why we're designed to be part of a local body like this one. If you're joining us online, we want you to be part of the body. Paul says that we are joined with ligaments and, and, and tendons. We're, we're connected, very much so. And, and, and the picture that is painted in Scripture is that when we become a follower of Christ, when we make that decision, we receive at least one spiritual gift through the Holy Spirit. He gives us a gift, and then we are to use those gifts to help one another. The, 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 the wording that Scripture uses to build up one another. 
And, and so what this is telling us in this particular context of, of testing is simply this. We are to participate with others on our journey by allowing them to speak into our lives, allowing them to pray for us, allowing them to hold us accountable, allowing them to celebrate with us, and we are to participate in their journey by doing the same thing. We pray for them. We hold them accountable when they ask us to. Right? We encourage them, and we celebrate with them. We're meant to do it together. And so one of the best ways to do that here at CAC is to be part of a small group or a life group. We have lots of different kinds. We have groups of 10 and 12 that meet in homes we have those same kind of groups that meet at the church different nights of the week. We have groups of 20 and 30. We have groups that are kind of focused around Bible study and prayer. There's lots of different groups for men and for women and for singles, for married, for young, and for old. Even for those of you that don't know what a TV guide is. You can still come. There's all kinds of groups. I want to encourage you to talk to Pastor Keith and find a group. Just go up and say, hey, I think we're, I'm free on Tuesday. Do you have anything? What's going on? What groups are available? love to have you do that. And then if you're a woman here this morning, you saw the video, I just want to encourage you, November 7th, set that day aside and come to this conference. I think it's 8.30 to 3.30. It's not even a whole day. Do what you have to, to get here. Their, their theme is cultivating connections with God and others. And I just got done saying, we're supposed to be connected. That's God's design. And here's what I want to say. You could make a connection with two or three women or one at that conference that could lead over the next months to be life-changing. It could change the trajectory of your spiritual life. You could come and, and, and grow deeper in your relationship to God, and it could change the trajectory of your spiritual life, of your life of faith. So please, do what you can. You can sign up there. You can sign up online. I'd love to see you attend that. It'll make a difference. Remember, we're all different. Right? We've got different journeys to walk. These tests come in different ways at different times. But we are to journey through them together, connected, Paul says, like members of a body, not separate, not alone. And especially during this time, we've spent a lot of time alone, haven't we? Let's get connected so we can journey together. So I hope you followed all of this this morning, right? We talked about what James had to say. We walked through it persevere. And we talked about some steps that can help us persevere in the midst of the journey, in the midst of the testing, so that we can become mature. Last week, Pastor Denny said, hey, when you hear a sermon, don't just say, okay, that was nice and walk out, but sort of ask the question, so, so what? What now? What do I do? I want to give you a couple of questions that can maybe help you with those steps. Here's the first one. What is one area of growth Sorry, what is one area where growth is needed in my spiritual life? Where is growth needed? And I just encourage you to jot that down. Put it in a, in a note app on your phone. One word, maybe two, that's it. Don't, don't list 12 things. One or two things. Here's the next one. Looking through a biblical lens. What lesson might God be trying to teach me? And so when I, when I think about that question, I think if you look back over the last week, or two of things that have happened in your life, what might God, looking through a biblical lens, what might God be trying to teach me? Maybe looking back at the events of this morning, what might he be trying to teach you? Maybe looking back over the drive here, what, did, what is he trying to teach you? I don't know, but what lesson is God trying to teach you? And then the last one 
is what steps can I take that will help me grow in this area? So when we've identified an area, what steps can I take? Remember, we can pursue times of prayer. We can press into Jesus' example. It might be that you just need to get some time alone to pray and say, God, what are you trying to teach me? What do you want me to learn? It might be that you can come forward this morning. We'll be more than happy to pray for you. Just say, hey, this is the area God's, I know it. This is the area I need to grow. Would you pray for me? Or you can ask someone you came with to do that. You can go to your small group and you can say, you know what? I I recognize that this is the lesson that God is trying to teach me. Would you pray that I'll learn that lesson? And you might even go to one or two people and say, would you hold me accountable in that? Would you text me a couple times a week and say, how's it going? How'd you do today? Those are just some really simple steps. Because see, if we don't have a plan to change, there's a real good chance that that change isn't going to happen in our lives. And we won't be mature as we desire, nor as God desires. So that's my challenge to you this morning. It's been a challenge that God's laid on my heart these last couple of weeks. Where do you want me to grow, Lord? And what steps do you want me to take? Let's pray together. Lord, I do pray that you would speak to our hearts and minds this morning individually to say, this is the area of growth that I want you to focus on. Here's the testing. The testing is bringing to light these areas, this area of growth for you. Father, would you do that in your mercy? Show us where you want us to grow. Lord, you know that for us, testing is difficult at times. It brings pain. And so, Lord, it's hard for us to be joyful in it. It's hard to thank you for it. But we want to thank you this morning because we know that the testing of our faith brings about perseverance. And that perseverance brings us to a place of maturity, a deepening relationship with you. God, we long for it. So thank you for the testing and the trial. Thank you that it is your battle. Lord, we fight it on our knees, the song said. By faith, we trust you. This isn't by our own effort that we win this battle, that we test well. It is because of you. So I pray that you would strengthen our faith, that we might lean into you, that we might see victory. Lord, we ask these things and we give you great praise in the mighty name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. Let me say before I let you leave that if you're here this morning and uh, I've talked about a life of faith and I've talked about being a Christ follower, you know, one of the first steps, the first step you have to take in order to, to grow mature in your spiritual life is to begin the journey. And so if you're here and you don't know what being a follower of Christ means or really what it means to be a Christian or how that's possible, ask someone sitting beside you. They can probably tell you. You certainly can come up here and ask one of the pastors. We'd be more than happy to tell you. But you see, James is talking about being, becoming a mature believer. But the first step in that process is becoming a believer. So I want to encourage you to do that this morning. If you haven't, ask questions. That's the first step for you. Thanks so much for being here. It's such a privilege to see you. See you next week.